everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. This is podcast number 196, and it is part two of my conversation with Rachel Belkovec. She is the Latin American Strength and Conditioning Coordinator for the Houston Astros. She is the first and only female strength and conditioning coach in all of Major League Baseball. If you missed the podcast on Monday with her, I urge you to go back and listen to it. It was a great conversation. Talks all about her journey to get her where she is today. And folks, it is quite a journey. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, and a lot of love for what she does. And that's what makes her so special. And in today's podcast, we talk about what it's like being in the weight room, what it's like actually doing her job. She talks about her philosophy, how she transfers that philosophy to her players, um, her, who her big mentors were, what's next for her for 2016, and so much more. So enjoy this week's Thursday Quickie. But before you do that, This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. They have about 180,000 titles to choose from. And for listeners of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, you can get a free downloaded book and a free month of Audible. All you have to do is go to my affiliate link, which is www.audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart. Go on, sign up get your free book, get your free month. Um, Right now, I'm almost done listening to When Breath Becomes Air. It is an amazing book. If you are a person who works with people, especially if you're in the healthcare field, I urge you to go and get this book. So you can go to audible.com and get the book using audibletrial.com slash healthy, wealthy, smart. And without further ado, here's part two of my wonderful conversation with Rachel Belkovic. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's Thursday Quickie. And I'm continuing my talk with Rachel Belkovec. She is the first female, first and apparently still only uh, female strength and conditioning coach in Major League Baseball. And today we're going to get a little behind the scenes look as to how she works with her players in the training room. So, Rachel, thanks for sticking around and doing the the old uh, Thursday Quickie. All right. So let's first talk about what is your strength and conditioning philosophy and how do you uh, transition that into your players and into your, your students, if you will? My philosophy, I feel like is pretty, it's, it's, uh, it's all over the map, to be honest with you. I can say one thing, but honestly, I use a lot of different techniques to, to cater to different players. Um, I guess at the heart of it, it would be a ground-based philosophy, which basically means um, I'm an Olympic lifting person at heart, um, but I do a lot of like deadlifts, squats, etc., like things that are going to develop strength and power in the players. Um, but I, as much as I say that, um, before we got on, you said, "Does everyone just do a squat?" And the answer is no. So I can say yes. I'm I'm at the heart of it. I'm a, I'm an Olympic lifting strength coach, I guess you could say, which means power cleans. I mean, technically, it means snatches, even though we don't do snatches, but we do teach an overhead squat. Um, hang cleans, basically anything with, with triple extension and in a fast, at a fast pace, we'll say. So that's like the base of my philosophy, but really, no, not everyone squats. We've got guys doing trap bar. We've got guys on safety bar. We've got guys not even touching a bar. We've got guys doing goblet squats. We've got guys doing single leg things. 
I mean, it really just depends on the player. It's something that we focused on with the Cardinals and then also something that is huge with the Astros is individualization. And so I think that I've been really fortunate to have, have been at a lot of different places. If you listen to my previous interview, I've been now I'm everywhere. Working- yeah, I've, I'm working on my 10th move. I'm moving from West Palm Beach to Orlando to work for the Astros. So I've been everywhere, and that's really afforded me an opportunity to be well-rounded as a strength coach. I mean, I've been – LSU is extremely, extremely Olympic-based. They're they're definitely like everyone's squatting, right? Everyone's squatting there. And then I've also been at Athletes Performance, which is a private facility, and they focus a lot more on on movement quality. And so we're talking about they a lot of minibands and med balls and a lot of, um, I would say, like, therapy and like rehab based things. And I mean, I've been all over the spectrum. So I'm able to, to grab tools, as we say, like in the field as, you know, a physical therapist or an ATC or strength coach, I have a lot of different tools. And so I'm able to apply those at any given moment. And I have no problem if a guy can't squat, taking him off a squat and putting him on the floor, on his back, working on, you know, whatever it is, range of motion, breathing techniques. I mean, anything crawls, hanging, you name it, I'm, I'm willing to implement it to make sure that each player is getting what they need. Right. So, so it's individual for the player. And what about for the position, the specific position? Yeah. So if you, yeah. So basically the way that we broke it down with the Cardinals, and I, I can't speak too much to the Astros because I'm just getting acquainted with their system. But the way that we did with the Cardinals is we did basically differentiate between our power and our speed guys. So for example, our power guys would be like a first baseman. The organization does not care if Matt Adams ever steals a base, you know, we don't care if if our first baseman ever steals a base because that's not his job. His job is to drop bombs and hit doubles. So we did a little bit different periodization scheme where our power guys would be lifting a lot more. Uh, I would say just a little bit, a little bit more volume to where they're, they're working on maintaining their, their lean mass and not so much working on speed skills and running mechanics. Whereas we have our speed group that they're actually they actually have a designated speed program and plyometric program to make sure that they're working on their speed. So, as much as from position to position, look, they're all swinging, they're all running, they're all throwing, every single one of them, right? Except for the pitchers. Mm-hmm. So position wise, we just differentiate in okay, what's your money maker? Are you is your money maker how fast you are, or is your money maker how far you can hit the ball? And usually they fit into one of those two categories. Sometimes you have a hybrid guy. So then we have those for position players, and then we also differentiated for pitchers. So we did a lot of a little bit more unilateral work for pitchers. We did a, lot, a little bit more rotational stuff, and then we also worked in some more shoulder, I'll say correctives, I guess you could say, shoulder mm-hmm. mobility, that kind of thing. We just focused a little bit differently with our pitchers. Very cool. And when you're in the training room with these guys – do you, I mean, I'm sure you've heard from other people, like, I feel like this is like my mom would say something like this, which is like, oh, aren't you nervous being in the locker room with all those men? And I think we alluded to this a little bit earlier in the in the previous interview, but aren't they just hitting on you all the time? And aren't they just, you know, being disrespectful? And aren't you, aren't they, aren't you hearing the way they speak? And does that offend you? And that kind of stuff. <laughs> um. First of all, I was a college athlete and you can't really say anything to offend me. I'm pretty I'm just worried about offending other people. <laughs> and second of all, do the players hit on me? No. Um I can honestly say I've never not one time been hit on um by one of our players, not once. And is that because um you're sort of establishing who you are as more like an authoritative figure? Yeah. Uh, right when you come in. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure when I first showed up with the, with the Cardinals, I'm sure when I first show up to spring training with the Astros, you know, there's going to be guys who are like, oh, it's a girl, oh my gosh. But then you talk to me for five seconds and you're going to figure out that I'm about business. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I always say, like, the the thing that I I like to say is, you know, you don't you don't get respect from your gender. You don't get it from your race. You don't get it from your age. You don't even get it from experience because there's plenty of – there's plenty of people who have a lot of experience that I don't really respect personally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so the the only way you get respect is your actions. And if I walk in a room and I'm, I have a commanding presence and I'm about my business and I walk up to a guy, I'm like, Hey, we got to fix this with your squat squat. This is what you need to do. We're going to look at your program. Let's come over here to like immediately they're going to know. And then also the other thing just goes back to, I care about them. Like they know that I'm invested in their career they know that that I'm there for them. I'm not there for myself. I'm not there to make myself look better. Cause, oh, I'm not there because I'm like, oh, I'm working for the Cardinals. And that's so cool. You know, I'm not there for that. I'm there and I get very, very invested in our players personally and wanting their personal success on and off the field during and after baseball. You know, there's plenty of guys I keep in contact with that got released and I'm still wanting them to be successful in their lives. And so it's that old adage, you know, they don't care about what you know until they know you care. And that's so true. If they know you're invested in them, it doesn't matter. I've seen plenty of players have way less respect for male strength coaches than they do for me. Plenty. Mm-hmm. So, no, it doesn't doesn't bother me. It doesn't, doesn't intimidate me. I, I've never really felt that way that it's intimidated me. I've never seen myself as separate. That's the thing. Never. Not even growing up as a kid. I've never felt that way. I was always very much encouraged by my parents to be an athlete and to go after a college scholarship and do all that thing. It was almost foreign to me. It's like weird to me that people can't accept me being there, you know? Right, right. So it's it's not you, it's not the players, it's people looking in from the outside. Yeah. And I think that's actually a very good point that you just brought up is that uh, the people who kept me out of baseball weren't the players. You know, the players are young enough to where there's, come on, Title Nine. there's female athletes right. everywhere. Right. A lot of these guys went to college and they saw their female counterparts playing softball and they might have even had a female strength coach. There's a couple of people that were like, yeah, I had a female strength coach in college. Like, it's not a rarity. The people that kept me out of baseball were, like we talked about earlier, the kind of good old boy, old school, mm-hmm. older generation baseball players that when they were growing up, there weren't female athletes and there's no way there would have been a female in the training room or the weight room. Like, that just didn't happen. And so they can't imagine that players would respect me, but the players are like, Psh, I don't care. You know, they're like, yeah, oh, my sister plays softball. Oh, yeah, you're just like, oh, yeah, my girlfriend played softball or my girlfriend played basketball in college. Like, they, they've they been around enough female athletes to where it's it's just not that big a deal. And I'm sure they, you know, I'm sure they keep some things for me. They don't talk about certain things, but they, they're they pretty candid. I mean, they, they don't hold a ton back, but I'm sure, they, I'm sure they hold some things back, but they don't hold a ton back in front of me, so... Right, yeah. right. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, and so in your career, uh, even starting out, let's say, when you were in college and, and up on through to where you are now, who were your mentors and what were what advice did they give you that you've never forgotten? Yeah, maybe oh, two. Two mentors. I'm sure you've had like a bazillion at this point. Oh, my gosh. Um I mean, I have to say this is like cheesy, but my parents are are really the ones who instilled that grinding. I mean, they they even though I didn't have to, it's not like we were poor or anything. They maybe get a job when I was fifteen, 
And they made me realize that I had to earn things very, very early. I mean, that they, they de I definitely credit them with, with making me the businesswoman and the strength coach that I am today is just like, they definitely instilled the work ethic in me. Um, you know, and they definitely, I guess the thing that I've learned from them is, is earn it. You know, you're not, you're not given things, you have to earn them. So that's, I guess, one of my mentors, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. And then also I'd have to say, Um, my high school coach, I, Joe Negretti, he just, he had a team that was compiled. We had superstars on our team. We just had, out of probably 15 girls, we had like eight Division One softball players go go and play. Um, it was a club softball team. And That's amazing. Our, one of our team, yeah, it, we had studs. And that was another team where, same thing, I started out on the bench and I worked my way up and I, I worked my butt off and I earned a spot starting. And he, one of our team sayings was, there's no such thing as the off season. And I've really like, I take that to heart. And, you know, even right now it's technically the quote unquote baseball off season. And my parents will tell you, anyone who's home, who's home with me will tell you, yeah, I'm traveling a lot and I, you know, I'm bouncing here and there and stuff in the off season. I'm having some fun, but really like, for example, this morning I did a periscope on it actually this morning, like I set my alarm, I'm not sleeping in, in the off season and just hanging out, you know? I set my alarm for, for six and I went to the gym, worked out, came home, dropped my dad off at work, went to a coffee shop. I was banging out emails all morning long. Um, and then I like picked him back up. I had a lunch meeting. I, I'm having this interview tonight. I had a phone call with one of our athletic trainers tonight. Like it's nonstop for me. And I think that mentality of, you know, good enough never is good enough. If you, have, if you say, oh, it's good enough, it probably isn't. Yeah. Always, always. Yeah, it's good enough. No, it's yeah. probably not. It's probably not. And so that whole mentality of just, I've, I've gotten a lot of things out of my life purely from just working hard. It's, it's not rocket science. You just, you work hard, you do what other people are not willing to do and you will be successful because there are so many things out there that are too hard, too far, too expensive, you know, too long. It's, it's too little pay, that kind of thing. I did them all. I worked for free more times than I care to think about. I moved all over the country. When people said it's too far, I said it wasn't. I did it, no matter what it was. I took the job, I did the work that other people weren't willing to do, and that's why I'm here. Absolutely, and and let's talk about what's next. So what do you got going on uh, in, the, in, in 2016? What's up, what's next? Oh my gosh, do you wanna ask that question? Okay, I so. I do. Um, I am, as uh, if you can't tell, I'm like, the energizer, energizer bunny. So I got this job with the Astros and I'm super pumped. Like I am, I am so excited. I absolutely love the staff I'm working with right now. And I just, I can't even tell you, like we're building this Latin American program from the ground up. We're starting to work on a mission statement. We're getting, you know, directive goals and talking about goal setting with the players anyway. So that's something obviously 2016, that's my main focus. 
Um, but then also I do public speaking and I really, this, I've considered this off season kind of like my internship. Like I'm doing a lot of public speaking, you know, locally and just small things. And for next off season, I really want to make that a focus. And I'll talk just like two seconds about damsel in the dugout. Um, I, it's basically centered around empowerment for young women and, you know, redefining success and what that really means. Like as an athlete, you kind of get wrapped up in your numbers and your on-field stuff and all that. And really true success for me is empowering other people. If you're, if you've made it to a certain level and you have a certain platform, if you're not reaching out and reaching out and helping other people get to that platform, then you're not doing your job and you're not successful. And so the whole, the whole idea behind Damsel in the Dugout is, for example, I just went to a college about a month ago I spoke to their college athletes, and then I also went to an inner city high school in the same community, and I spoke to them for free. Mm. And so the whole idea is kind of giving back, reaching out, telling your story, making sure that you're you're letting other people kind of draw off of your quote-unquote success, whatever that might be. So that's that. Definitely working on public speaking. Um, and then starting a podcast. It's called the Phoenix, Pro- the Phoenix project coming out in the middle of January. And that is exactly what we've been talking about. The Phoenix, if you don't know the story of the Phoenix, it's basically about a mythical bird that rises from the ashes, rises from the ashes and is stronger than, the- than it was before. And so basically I'm kind of try to get people on that have been successful in their own career field and talk about their stories because I don't like the myth of the overnight success. It doesn't exist. Never does. So- Yep. So I want to get people's stories out there about their their fears, their failures, you know, what they did wrong, what they did right, uh, the times they cried in, in a ball in the corner and the times they, you know, sat in the dark and watched Netflix because they couldn't afford the electricity. I've, I don't know who did that. Uh, me. Oh, no. <laughs> so Well, that's okay. Like, I've, I've cried on this podcast. So, <laughs> yes. you know, just so you know, it may happen. Yes. So I, I'm coming out of the podcast. Um, and then lastly, not lastly, but I am actually going to go back and do a PhD. I'm for sure this time it's going to be in biomechanics. And so I'm starting classes in the summertime and that's going to be a long, slow process, but I'm going to get it done. So where are you going to do the PhD? Um, I'm starting prerequisites at university of central Florida. And then my goal is to do it at Auburn university. There's a, a woman there who does research with pitching biomechanics. So, um, yeah, I mean that's, that's talk awesome. to me in a de- yeah talk to me in a decade and see if I actually did it. But I'm starting the process this summer. I kind of have a feeling that you're going to do it. <laughs> I don't know. I have an inkling, an inkling that that says that in ten years from now you might have two PhDs. <laughs> so I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking. But listen, you've got a lot going on. Again, people, if you want to learn more about Rachel, go to damselinthedugout.com. And thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into what you do in the with your uh, players every day and what you have coming up in 2016, which all sounds super exciting. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. You're this welcome. Awesome. Good, fun. good. And everybody, thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. <laughs>